Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, your weekly source for questions and answers around equity in yoga, hosted by Jeevana Heyman and Amber Carnes. Join us each week for powerful conversations with thought leaders at the intersection of justice, knowledge, and practice. Welcome to episode 10. I'm your host, Amber Carnes. In episode 10, Jeevana welcomes Diane Bondi to talk about how she has created her platform, grew her career, and built a global yoga community. Diane talks about how she leaned into the virtual space early on and gives advice for folks looking for tips on how to build their own platforms. This time with Diane gives great insight into best practices, tools, and things to remember as we teach virtually. Jeevana and Diane both talk in depth about the importance of making sure that our virtual offering spaces are accessible to all. Diane also talks about the responsibility we each have to dismantle white supremacy and the importance of understanding the place of social justice and advocacy in our yoga spaces and personal practice. Here we go. Diane, thanks so much for joining me for this Accessible Yoga podcast. Well, thank you for having me and thanks for your patience. My calendar is a little bit ridiculous lately, so I'm glad we were able to connect. I'm excited to be here. Everywhere. You're so busy. It's incredible. It's amazing what you're doing. It's, it's, you know what, it's funny because I had a dentist appointment this morning and uh, a lot of people thought prior to... COVID and the kind of sheltering in place and the border. I'm, I'm in Canada and the border is going to be closed indefinitely. Uh, and so I, I don't travel anymore. And everybody's like, oh my goodness, how are you doing? Like, how are, how are you surviving? And very little of the work that I do is actually traveling. Like traveling is a bonus of the work I do. And I said, I'm actually kind of grateful I'm not traveling for, I think you and I had this conversation earlier in the, in the year where all of a sudden I'm like, I feel really good. Like I don't feel so tired. I don't feel so stressed. And it was because I'm not, you know, rushing to get to the airport, rushing to get through customs, being x-rayed, you know, several times a month because that, you know, disrupt that disrupts your, like your energy, your chi field, all that stuff. You know, airports are low energy places and then getting all anxious about what I'm presenting and then making sure I'm showing up for people. Like all of that travel stress is gone. And I didn't realize how hard it was on my body. So going, I had no idea because I'm exhilarated when I'm teaching these workshops. I'm loving mm-hmm. meeting all these people and getting to see all these great places. But I would finish a workshop, be sitting in the airport on the way home and just be completely drained for up to three days, like just yes. burnt out. And it's nice to do, not that I don't feel burnt out with all the Zoom stuff I do, but it's a different kind of burnt out. But I just didn't realize how much it was taking out of me. So going forward, I'm going to be traveling probably a quarter of a third of what I've traveled. And as much as I can do online, I think I'm going to do online. Yeah, yeah I feel the same way. I mean, it, it's it's such like a paradox because I feel, I feel like, like you said, it's so amazing to be in person with people. And yeah. Like, those trainings I get to travel and teach are like, amazing. but they also, they, they take a real toll. And I think I hadn't, I hadn't noticed either until I stopped. Yeah. Exactly like you said, I didn't, I think it's exactly that just being out of my routine and eating different food and being totally. beds and, and, know, I, and yeah, I, like we're traveling a lot. Like I think you and I, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. It was constant. It was constant. Uh, last year, 20, I guess, 2019, when I counted it up, out of 52 weeks, I traveled 32. Oh, wow. and, yeah. So that I didn't realize. And then sometimes I'm gone during the week. Like if I do any kind of big uh, uh, tapings for any big platforms, you know, I, I work for Yoga International. So you're gone for a week. Like you fly in on a Sunday, you leave on a Friday. So I wasn't even including that those kinds of things. Just, I was looking at weekends that I was away. I mean, my last big trip was the Galapagos. Who doesn't want to go to the Galapagos? I mean, that's an amazing experience and I would never, ever give that up for the world. So what I thought to myself moving forward is I'll continue to do those kinds of big, uh, what I would call once in a lifetime trips, but all like the smaller trips, if it can be done online, I'm going to do it online just for my own peace of mind. And it's easier to schedule. And like you said, I have a lot of, um, issues and a lot of food allergies. Like it's just, anyway, I've got like compro, you know, I'm immune compromised. So I have all these other issues. So when I go to the airport, there's usually very little I can eat at the airport. Exactly. <laughs> me too. I can't eat anything at airports. Sometimes it makes me laugh. I'll like wander around and like, yeah. there's no food here. There's nothing here. The best airport that I could ever, there's, I've got my top three airports where I can actually yeah. find something to eat is Detroit. Detroit Airport is my favorite, and that's the one I fly out of because I live in Windsor, and it's only 40 minutes away. They have a wonderful sushi restaurant that has, like, vegan and vegetarian options if that's, you know, or if those are your food choices. They have they have Plum Market where you can get all these fabulous, fabulous different kinds of salads and fresh food. Like, they have – they've made a point of figuring out how to feed you at the airport. The other airport that's like that is Atlanta, um, mm-hmm. Atlanta yeah. and Charlotte, because they're big airports, they have good food. Um, Toronto, Lester B. Pearson Airport. Like I've got my few that I'm like, okay, um, I'm fine. I can eat here. But most of them, there's nothing. Like there's just nothing yeah. I can have because I can't eat potatoes and I can't eat bread. And I, like there's just yeah. so many things I can't eat. And then I, what ends up happening is I eat them anyway because I'm starving yeah. and then I'm sick for like a week. Mm-hmm. My husband, I come home and my husband says to me, what happened to your face? I go, oh, I eat potatoes. They're like, wow. <laughs> But it's like, like I said, it's a paradox though, because I feel so grateful and I'm, I know you do too, like, just like such a blessing. Like that's what I wanted, you know, that's what I always had like hope to do. Exactly. Yeah. I manifested that one year, like the one year, I think it was 2013. uh, It was the full moon. It was New Year's Eve. There was a whole bunch of astrological and uh, astronomy, astronomy. Well, there's a whole bunch of events going on all at the same time, all on New Year's 2013. So I did, I owned a studio at the time and we did a meditation into the new year. So instead a lot of, uh, I was the only one in the, in the city who was doing anything for like this new year's practice. So people came into the studio at 11 PM. We did a yoga practice to like 1155, an asana practice. And then we meditated from 1155 to 1215. 
And what I had everybody do is write down their intentions for the year, write down what they would like to see for their in their life for the year. And we wrote it all down and we slid it under our mats and we practiced with intention on our mats. And then we sat in meditation and we made sure to have those, those intentions and what we wanted mm-hmm. for ourselves. And I so wanted to go to California and teach a yoga conference and do all these things. And in 2014, I went to California nine times. Mm-hmm. Well, one of them was to meet me. Yes. That, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, when we met, because I, I had you, you spoke at the first accessible yoga conference. I did. I did. And this is what I wanted. I manifested it in that. I'm like, what do I want for, like, I want to move on from owning a yoga studio yeah. and I want to be able to travel the world and share equitable, accessible, adaptable, life-affirming yoga. Like I'd already owned the studio for 10 years and it was great, but I am a personality that gets bored after 10 years. And so I wanted to do something else and I wanted my reach to be bigger. I thought what I was doing was important on a global scale. And I just want an opportunity to share it with all kinds of different people. Well, and that's, I, I think it's gotten even bigger though. Like now, like I think your reach, I'm just watching you and it just feels like going on when oh, you were already online, but like now that everyone yeah. else has gone online, yeah. it's like you were ready. You were yeah. Ready. Yeah, I've been online uh, since 2012. I opened my uh, my brick and mortar yoga studio in 2005, and uh, then I uh, I went online um, in 2012. But what I was doing prior to that was I was audio recording classes and uploading them uh, to my my studio website so that my students mm-hmm. could download them and practice because I had a lot of students who were either starting families and they couldn't get to yoga or had jobs. Like I live in a city that has a lot of uh, shift work. There's a lot of industry here that works on shift work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they were asking me, I can't get to class. Do you mind recording it? And so what I did was I just bought, I had like a digital recorder for whatever reasons. I bought one, um, you know, the kind when you're in university and you're sitting in class and you're yeah. recording a professor. I just bought one of those and I would just hook it like you know, put it in my pocket or most often like I put it in my bra and I would just record myself teaching and people really liked it. And I remember saying to Alan, this seems to be working for a lot of people. What if we offered this online? Like like we set up a camera in the studio and just offered it online to our students. So if you couldn't get into the studio, you could catch it on demand. I mean, on demand was not a phrase we used in 2012, (laughs) but he's like, sure, let's figure it out. And my husband's like tech savvy. He's not, you know, he taught himself everything he knows about being online and creating courses online. And so he said, yeah, we should be able to figure this out. And uh, he figured it out and we offered it. And then when I, like in 2014, when I started traveling, uh, people were like, oh, I wish I could practice with you. You don't, you know, you're not local. And I said, Incidentally, I, you know, I have this site if you want to practice with me online. And I mean, um, it had already been up for two years and it was more like just a local thing. People in my community were doing it. And then Alan's like, well, we can open up to everybody and like charge a membership fee. And that's what happened. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was smart of you. (laughs) Yeah. I just was like, let's try this. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, I want, I mean, I know you've been asked this a million times these days, but like, do you have any advice now for, for teachers when it's obviously like long-term yeah. online is definitely yeah. happening? I mean, what, what about newer teachers who, yeah. like you had that platform, you yeah. know, and I feel like I kind of had a platform. So moving online was easier, I think yeah. for us. Totally. 
but I worry a lot about newer teachers who are kind of just getting started in mm -hmm. in-person classes and then they have to make the transition. Mm -hmm. I get this question. Oh, sorry. That's one thing yeah. with being online. We kind of step on each other. That's one key. You have to take a couple of breaths and wait for the other person to come. Completely stop I know, but you're my friend and I talk to you all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, It's funny because incidentally, I'm just, I'm creating a course around this for uh, Yoga International. Actually, I just, oh, okay. yeah, I just put, they asked me, I just put together, um, the outline for it. So I'm going to be shooting it hopefully this week and it'll be available. I don't know when this is coming up, but it'll be available October 15th and 16th. We're going to do it live oh, wow. and then they'll, you'll be able to buy the playback. But this, this question I get a million times and the minute everybody had to shift to online, I can't, I would go to my DMS on Instagram and literally have like 200 messages from people um, oh. asking me, uh, what do I do? And what was very interesting to me is when I decided to open up my studio to an online platform way back in 20, you know, 2011, 2012, some of my teachers were giving me pushback. They were like, if you put this stuff online, nobody's going to come to our classes. And I thought that's not true because some people don't want to practice online. Some people love the idea of being in the studio and aren't afraid to come to the studio during a pandemic. So I've been talking to studio owners and teachers who are like, yeah, my classes are, you know, are booked still, you know, we're doing all the proper social distancing and stuff, but these people still want to come out and see each other because we're social creatures. I said, mm -hmm. but I want to also offer the, the idea behind accessibility is I also want to offer an opportunity for people who can't get to the studio to have the same, access. And, you know, so one of the tips I, I tell people, well, I should backtrack a bit. So when I started putting stuff online, I got backlash from this, my students, my, my teachers in the studio. And then from my local community, they kind of looked down their nose at me that I was putting yoga online. Oh, it's sacrilegious or whatever it is. They, you know, they deemed it to be unyogic or whatever. And what was really interesting to me were they were the first people to reach out to me and go, Oh my God, what'd I do? And I had to laugh to myself because I'm like, Hmm, do I bring up like eight years ago when you're talking smack about me? Cause I was putting classes online and how unyogic this was. And now you see that this is the future. And so there's no going back. There's, there are going to be people who are immune compromised, who just simply can't take the risk of being in a public right. space. And I often think we're asking people to breathe deeply and fully in these spaces yeah. that might not have the best ventilation. And now we have this insurgence of anti-masker people who don't mm. want to wear them. Mm. Like, some people just don't want to go out in the world and deal with all this nonsense. So what I tell people is you don't have to have a big following or a big platform. But what I've told people from the beginning, even in my very first teacher training in 2009, is start to create an email list. So if if it's okay with the studio that you are are, are teaching in, you want to be in contact with your students so you can let them know if, you know, you're subbing your class out or if there's mm -hmm. an opportunity to practice with you in the park or like yoga, yoga, I tell yoga studio owners, don't be afraid if you're, if your teachers are connecting with their students, because it helps your business. That personal connection to the teacher makes people want to come in the studio and be seen by the teacher. So I would always tell people, 
put out, you know, back in the day before Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok, all the things, um, there was Facebook, there was Facebook. And I used to say, put up a professional page on Facebook, ask your friends to share it, put up little snippets of you teaching, you know, maybe no longer than five minutes. And then, you know, invite people to come to your classes. The more people like have that social proof, get people to share that out so that people can see, oh, I can take a class with this teacher and people can see what you're about. Like you don't need to have this huge following. If you're already in the studio, chances are people are already following you on your digital platform and you need to have that. Like the the people who don't want to participate in Facebook and Instagram and Twitter or whatever three, Mm -hmm. pick three, whatever three platforms you think you can commit time to uh, and you can link them all together. So when you post, you can post across all platforms. I remember saying this very distinctly when I, uh, in 2012 to my studio, I can't call everybody on the phone and tell them a class is canceled. I can post it on Facebook so that you can see, I can send you an email, but not everybody gets to their email, but it takes just a minute to open this app and look and see on the East side yoga Facebook page that classes are canceled. And so I had to teach my students that. So chances are your students are interested in you personally as a teacher. So they've already tried to find you on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, whatever um, your demographic is. So if your demographic is like over 40, chances are they're on Facebook. If your demographic is under 40, chances are they're on Instagram. If your demographic yeah. is 20 and under, then they're on TikTok. So yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You need on Snapchat. And so you need to figure out who that demographic is that you want to reach and put yourself out there and put out content that people are curious about or put out your specialty. And then you'll draw those people to you and you can start, you know, teaching online and monetizing your classes. I think my big, my big biggest pet peeve um, when I watch an online class is the inability of people to light themselves properly and to get them their whole mat, their arms and legs and everything Uh in the shot. Can't tell you how irritating it is for me when people stand up, put their arms up and their hands are cut off. Like I just cannot or they're bad. I have have that problem though, actually, because my yoga like little office yoga studio here yeah. that I have is really small. So it's right? like I can't get the camera far enough away. Mm. So it's like I gotta I have to go into other spaces to film. Or yeah. I do if I do chair yoga, it's okay. Like then you can get my whole body in. But like just when I'm standing, in. it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So like I tell people it's okay to have like a couch in the background or you know, you're I think that makes it real and it makes it relatable because that's where other people are also practicing. So just as long as your your background is tidy, like you know, you're not you're not focusing on a whole bunch of dirty dishes or, you know what I mean? Like things that are distracting to you. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. that, I think that's my biggest thing is you need as much light as you can. And if you can manage right. to practice in front of a patio door or a big window, that's the best light. Natural light is always the best, but if you- But not right behind you, right? I mean, not, we're, 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 hello, <laughs> I can't tell yeah. you how many times people are backlit and I'm like, yeah. no, Come on. Um, That's That's a hard thing, lighting. The lighting. And now that it's still warm outside, maybe going outside is your best option because then you can find more space. Um, I, there's a woman here in town that films her classes in front of her garage door. And I think it's brilliant (laughs) because her garage door is just white and it's her driveway. So she park her car on the street and she has all this space to put up a tripod because isn't brilliant because initially she had these videos and I couldn't figure out this 
angle. And I was looking at her and I was irritated because I wanted to take the class. I'm like, I can't see what your foot is doing. So I don't know what my foot should be doing. And, you know, I don't care if animals come into it. I think all of that stuff is super sweet, but I need to be able to see you. And so I texted her after I said, I have several problems with, (laughs) I'm terrible. I have several problems with your video. If you're interested in hearing from me, great. If not, I'll just mind my own business. But I think you could get more views if you just change the angle a little bit. And then she said to me, if I angle the camera where you say it, people are going to see my kitchen. And I go, that doesn't matter because they're not actually going to be looking at your kitchen. They might look at it for a minute, but they're going to be looking at you and now they'll be able to see you. Right. And also audio too. I mean, audio is important that people can hear you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I talk about, you know, whether you use a mic pack, how close are you to the camera? What's the echo in the room? Like these are all things you have to consider. And mic packs and getting just a basic lighting kit is really inexpensive. And so if you, if you're going to teach online, these are things you have to invest in. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, a good mic pack. And I mean, you don't have to pay, you can get a mic pack for $50 or less. You can get a lighting kit, um, for under, like I invested in my lighting kit. I probably spent about $200. And at the time I was like, wow, it's a lot of money, but I've had this lighting kit for eight years. Do you know what I mean? I've had to maybe replace the bulbs a couple of times, but you know, this is now I have these tools. Right. And, yeah. and I think what you're saying is just the key that you have to invest a little bit Yeah, I do. if you're going to do this for real. I mean, if you want to make it effective, you got to figure out how you sound, how you look. People, you have to, they're accessibility, accessibility tools too, you know, like people can't hear or yeah. see you. That's not effective and I, for teaching. And I said that, what if people are hearing impaired and they're reading your lips? They can't see your face. How are they going to be able to do the class? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then looking into ways like on my phone, I've got this thing called AutoCap, which is just a app that was free that I downloaded that will automatically Mm -hmm. um, close caption anything I'm filming. And actually there's, um, that's available on Facebook and YouTube. So if you- put a video up on Facebook, at least on YouTube, I believe. You yeah, get automated for sure. They're, they're very poor quality though. Yeah. There's another, there's a system we're starting to use uh, an accessible yoga called Otter. Otter. Oh. Yeah, O-T-T-E-R. Okay. AI. And it's, I think it's about $200 a year, but you know, we do a lot of videos and it um, does really clear captioning and you nice. can teach it words. So you can teach oh. it Sanskrit words so that when you say them, it'll know how to spell them correctly. Oh. So it actually has like a library that makes the spelling a lot better. And and also names. You can put names in there, people, so that they're spelled correctly when they're used in the captions. Perfect. It, it does live captioning for video in, in a separate um, screen. Like it opens up another window on your computer. Nice. But then you can integrate it later when you when you put it on like a when you edit platform. it yeah. like yeah if you edit it or you put it on uh, YouTube or Vimeo you can integrate the caption file as captions and nice recent. that's awesome I'm gonna get that and when I look at these kinds of things like think of all the money that you spend in training right think of all the money you invest in being a better teacher by taking different trainings. You know, if you're going to invest in being a a really great accessible teacher, then you also have to invest so that your students can see you and hear you and you're effective, right? And I know initially it hurts, but it's it's an investment in your craft. 
So I certainly wouldn't go and run a marathon in my bare feet, which I think there's yeah. some, there's some, I, there's some theories around barefoot running. I already know yeah. that that's not going to be an, a good idea for me because I'm going to step on a rock and I'm going to be out. Um, <laughs> but yeah. you know what I mean? It's an investment. If you're going to go kayaking, you're going to buy a kayak. If you're going to go running, you're going to buy great running shoes. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, it's initially an investment. You probably could get started for around $250, you know, min slash max. There's always the opportunity to, you know, get the best of the best, but you don't really need that. You just need, you know, the minimal things to get yourself started and then decide what platform you're going to use. So the current platform everybody uses is Zoom, but there's Google Meets. I tend to stay away from Skype because even before COVID, Skype was sketch anyway. Like I found that Skype (laughs) would drop you and freeze. I didn't find Skype was the best, but it was free. So everybody was using it. But there are so many platforms out there now that you can connect with and put your content on. Right. And actually there are other, um, there's some platforms that you can use like our virtual yoga studios where you can like yeah. basically use their system. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to say any names cause I don't really recommend any of those. I oh, don't right. know anything about them, but like right. they exist. And I just, I think zoom or like using, um, you know, YouTube or yeah. Vimeo as a platform to like host your videos can work and people can then go, like, I think in YouTube, there's a way to, to monetize it, actually. Totally. And yep. have them private. Yeah. And you can just have people have some kind of payment, payment program. Yep. Yeah. You have a cash app or PayPal or uh, an e- in Canada, we e-transfer stuff all over the place because our banking system allows that. Um, so, <laughs> right. so Canada, Canada. Yeah. You know. uh, so, yeah. So th- those are the things uh, right off the bat, off the top of my head that I find like, so like, oh, why is the camera there? I'm looking at your crotch. You know what I mean? I just, <laughs> these things, that's the first thing I do. I look at the video and if the quality is like, like it doesn't, the actual quality doesn't, if it's not perfect, it's fine. But if the angle is garbage, then I can't, then I'm distracted. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and you're, you're incredible. Like you're just, you have so much content. I, I just, I can't get over your consistency and the amount that you put out there. It just, I, I just, it's amazing to me. Like I think every day um, I see something from you. Um, it's incredible. Well, it's so, been a lot easier now because I'm not traveling. So I'm yeah. home a lot. And I have, I'm very lucky. I have a yoga studio in my house. Um, so it's easy. And I have it all lit because I've been doing this for eight years, right? So the lighting is set up. Everything is set up. The newest thing that I've learned, I have a DSLR camera. I have all the, I have all the things. Um, I don't use my DSLR camera anymore. Like I just... I don't because my iPhone is awesome. I just tape everything on my phone. Really? You use yeah. your phone? Or... Everything. Everything you see from me is on my phone. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And if you have a Vimeo, I just learned this yesterday from my friend Adrian from Warrior Flow. If you have a Vimeo account, there's this thing called Vimeo Creator, and you can use all their tools to edit your videos and make them look super professional because he's been putting up these super cool looking videos on his site. I'm like, who are you hiring to do your video? Like you must be rolling in it. And he's like, no, I just do it myself. I go, you put up this video. And he's like, yeah, you just go to this thing and they have a template and then you just plug your, your, uh, you just download the video you created to the template and it makes it pretty. And then you upload it and you're ready to go. And I'm like, 
look at that. And you can do a free Vimeo account or you can do a paid Vimeo account. So yeah. I wonder, can you use that video editor in the free account? I, I'm going to guess no, because I know Vimeo's going to yeah. want their money. Um, but I don't, I'm going to look into it and see. Like yeah. a Vimeo current isn't very expensive to have. But again, right. if you are investing in being online, which there's, for me, in my opinion, there's way more potential online to earn a living as a yoga teacher than teaching your one class in your studio for right. You can reach a much bigger audience. And totally. so that's what I want to talk about you. Like I was trying to say, like you're, yeah. you're producing so much, but also I really feel like this transition has exposed you more. Like you're just out. Like, I mean, maybe it's because I've just selected that in my feed, but like mm-hmm. you're like the main person I see these days. Oh, wow. You're just like all Diane all the time. Yeah. Which makes me <laughs> very happy. Plan. Taking over the world, Jeevana. That's yeah. the plan. Yeah. And I'm so glad. Thank God. No, oh, um, you're kind. You know, and I appreciate all your work around um, accessibility mm-hmm. and racism, and the the fact that you use your platforms to talk about those things. And you know, because really, really, what's driving me crazy these days is mm. like teachers that have a platform that mm-hmm. aren't doing that, and who are looking at yoga as this like just a separate thing, as if yeah. it exists in some bubble somewhere, some vacuum. as if it's not part of our lives and our like ex- actual lived experience. You know. <laughs> That is one thing that makes me absolutely just like angry, quite frankly. I've had a couple of really famous yoga teachers who I won't call out and they're lucky. I'm not in the mood to call them out right now. Um, They're lucky lucky because you know me. I'm not afraid afraid to call people out, but I'm not going to do that today. You caught me in a good mood today. Uh, uh, Who have made comments like they're being blackmailed by teachers, other teachers who are pushing this um, this idea of of equity or race or like I've been doing this for a while and why do I need a black person to teach me about anything? Like I, some mm. very famous teachers have been saying that, and mm. you know, or or they've been doing this work and they feel like somehow we've stepped on their toes. Mm-hmm. And I just am in shock around that because we really need to be working together. Like this, yeah. you know, I was at a bookstore uh, yesterday. What's say Thursday? I was at a bookstore on Tuesday and uh, it was a local bookstore and they're carrying my book. So I wanted to go in there and thank them for carrying my book and sign the copies that were in the book. And then I usually post on Instagram. I've signed books locally. Go find them if you want to sign copy kind of thing. It's my fun thing to do. And they had a whole section on what she said to me were black issues. And again, I had just taught a yoga class. So I'm like, I'm pretty feeling pretty Zen. Do I want to educate her now? Or do I just want to come and sign these books and leave? Like, where am I today? Because it can be exhausting because you spend your whole yeah. life kind of just reorienting people on their belief systems. And I want to say, I wanted to say, these are not black people issues. These are human rights issues. These are everybody's issues. You know, racism isn't something um, that black people created. And I heard a speaker talk about, uh, you know, 
I watch a lot of TikTok and I, I follow a lot of indigenous uh, creators on TikTok and a lot of people who are part of the Black Lives Matter. That's my whole feed on TikTok is, is equity and racism. My whole feed is that. And so I heard somebody say uh, on a video that there are, you know, that there are no white people in the Bible. I know this is going to hurt a lot of people's feelings. Um, there are no white people in the Bible because back in those times, race wasn't a thing. Like right. race and ethnicity might've been a thing, but race wasn't a thing. People were not identifying themselves as black or white or any other race. And I was just like, that's interesting. And that mm -hmm. the concept of race came in about 1493 when the Pope um, made a comment or a statement or had a sermon that it was necessary for you know, uh, Europeans to go out and conquer the world and bring those savages to heal. So mm -hmm. go to Africa and teach about Christianity, go to whatever countries where they, you know, and bring them to heal because they're savages. Right. And I was just like, I don't know how true this is. I need to do my research on that. I know somebody's probably going to come for me and tell me that, that that's not the case. Um, but this person, um, said something along those lines. And I thought, well, let me write this down and look this up later. So if I could see if this is true, yeah. you know what I mean? But this idea of race as, you know, as yeah. a thing, which it's not. Well, can I say, I was, I've just been reading, um, you know, Dr. Gail Parker's new book. Yes. Fantastic um, book. Yeah. Restorative yoga for ethnic and race-based stress and trauma. And um, I would, yeah, I was just reading a part about that and where she talks about, the effect of racism not only on black people but on everybody totally like everyone's affected by it Absolutely. you know what i mean and i just thought that was beautiful just to, to universalize that you know that if you're harming somebody mm -hmm. even knowingly or unknowingly you're affected by this and you're affected by it because it's it's culture it's the culture that you're in yeah um, and it's in the air. And as much as we don't want to participate in it, the minute you take a breath in, you're part of the problem. And I was on a panel with her uh, a while ago and we were talking about this. And she said something very interesting that I've repeated in my trainings now is that when we saw George Floyd laying in the street with a police officer's knee on your neck, every single black person, anybody who identified as black, could see their brother, their sister, themselves, their child in that moment. And anybody who had a child and heard him call for his mother could identify that, whether you're a father or a mother, well, you could identify with that moment, having your child call for you in a moment of stress. We've all been there if you have children, right? Yeah. And she says black people and people of color could identify with being in the place or empathize with being in the place of George Floyd. But the question that she posed is, do white folks see themselves as the person who's kneeling on the neck of George Floyd? Mm -hmm. And that was a big, whoa. And I brought that up in the last teacher training that I did. And somebody wanted me to expand on why they should put themselves in the place of the officer. And then it made them feel sick to their stomach. I go, welcome to the party.
<laughs> welcome to the party. I right. think it would give you more empathy and more understanding if you could see yourself in that role because you are in that role, especially as we go back to yoga teachers not using their platform to call in, call out, call up, whatever the appropriate language is now. Um, this, this human issue, you are that person who's got the neck, your knee on the neck of a person who's oppressed. Pick your oppression here. Pick yeah. your intersectionality here. If you are silent yeah. and you think doing this performative asana on your yoga mat and showing everybody, you know, your handstand in your bikini is somehow changing the world, then you have a really weird and skewed idea of what yoga is. And it's time for you to redefine what yoga is because it's not that. Exactly. It's not that. Our number, sorry, go ahead. Part of it is that like people, you know, have used yoga for their own personal, whatever, healing, and they mm -hmm. feel like it, it becomes a sanctuary for them. I think I've said this before on the podcast that, yep. you know, as you have this experience of your practice becomes a sanctuary for you and like somehow you want to keep it that way. And I mm -hmm. feel like the defensiveness that I see is not simply just like racism, but also it's like this weird, like defensiveness of your, of their own, like, ability to heal themselves mm -hmm. not realizing that you can't heal yourself separate from others like there's no separateness yeah like the impact of racism on others hurts all of us and you can't you can't avoid that you can't step away from that onto your mat like you can't you don't go away somewhere when you go mm -hmm. onto your mat right, right? You're still in the world yeah a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, um, a really great friend of mine, Jeevana Heyman once said that yoga is, uh, is not a charity for like white folks to hand out <laughs> to other people. Yeah. Like this yeah. has to be this collective understanding. And if you are running around saying namaste to people and let's mm. break down what namaste means. I've said this several times in every podcast and every workshop I've ever done namaste literally means the light in me honors sees loves accepts you know whatever word this resonates with you the light in you so honestly if if the light in me sees the light in you and jivana you're suffering then i'm suffering right and what am i doing to alleviate your suffering what am i doing to, to find moksha. Like if we want to go back um, to the Gita, let's get real deep with this. If we want to go back to those teachings, what is your dharma? What is your noble purpose? You know, it's not to show me your crotch while you're doing some asana. That's not your noble purpose. And if it is, I need you to really sit and do some self-study. What is your noble purpose? Your noble purpose is to help alleviate suffering. And so if we yeah. look at those three, you know, those three yogas we talk about, if we, if we look at karma yoga, I always say to people, karma yoga isn't a class at one o'clock on a, on a, on a, mm. you know, on a Friday that it, a teacher yeah. training student teaches and look at us, we're giving out yoga as charity to, you know, to circle back to what you said. Karma literally means action. What action are you taking as a person who's found a path of spirituality or is on their way to enlightenment to help others seek and find that? What are you doing? What's your action? How are you showing up? What was Arjuna's action? What was his place in the world? What was he supposed to do? What was his dharma, right? Mm -hmm. And then if we come to Bhakti, oh yeah, we can go to Kirtan and hit some, you know, some tambourines and sing and dance and be all happy. But what's your devotion to 
eliminating suffering for others? What is your devotion to the world, making the world a better place? How are you devoted to helping us all find, once again, moksha, this is my word this week, liberation, right? And then our final one is jhana, right? Jhana yoga, am I saying that right? Yeah, jhana. Jhana yoga. I say Jana, I say Yang. You know, correct me if I'm wrong. People come for me if I'm saying it wrong. But that's knowledge. It's the yoga of knowledge. What do you know is true? What do you know is false? And how do you stop spreading false information? And how do you use your knowledge to help other people find peace? How do you use your knowledge to make better choices, right? How do you use your knowledge to elevate humanity, right? If you want to go back to that, that's your job. Your job isn't to get likes on Instagram or Facebook. Your job is to help shift the consciousness of the world. That's your job. And if you're offended by that, then go teach Pilates or go become a spin instructor or go teach group fitness at the gym because none of that requires any of that deeper moral compass. None of it. You go, you, you, you know, you get a good sweat on, you leave. Yoga is not that. It's not that. Yeah. yeah, I love what you said in the um, was it the state of union yoga. Oh um, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. I think that's oh my god, <laughs> you, you were just killing it. And you said, you said <laughs> wait, said. I, I want to see if I can quote you. You said like white people need to figure out their own shit. Yeah, I think it's something like that. It's like their yoga, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. And I'm like, but I was saying like that. I don't know if you heard the episode that followed that when mm-hmm. I was on there because I basically said that you had. To me, when you made that statement, you actually defined yoga. Oh, wow. Because that's really the definition of yoga. It's like right. deal with your own crap. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Deal I was probably crap. in my feelings when I said that. Like, I just don't even remember what I said on that on that podcast. But yeah, honest to God, like, figure it out. I'm honestly tired of white folks sliding into my DM going, what can I do? I go, that's not my job, man. It's not my job. Like, I need you to sit down and figure out what do you do. And here's the thing. Black folks, people of color, indigenous folks, BIPOC folks have been creating a toolbox for everyone online for decades. There's toolboxes out there that are free of charge that you can look up. And when I say toolboxes, there are books, there are TED Talks, there are videos. Um, You know, if you want to pay, there are sliding scale trainings. Like, you can do this work. Stop asking BIPOC people to tell you what to do. It's not our job. And we don't owe it to you. That's the other thing with, with the culture of whiteness. They feel entitled and owed everything, right? I had a, I worked in a couple of studios last year where I finally lost my shit and just told the owners off because they were, they didn't know how their actions impacted me as a person of color, nor did they care. And when I called them out on it, of course, the reaction is defensiveness. If you were nicer, you know, the standard bullshit that white people expect from black folks, we can't give you absolution for your past wrong deeds. If you need that, you need to Go back to your own communities and figure that out. But if you've harmed a person of color and you've come to, uh, or a a person from any marginalized group, let's just put it out there. If you've harmed any of those people and you go and apologize and they don't accept your apology, you then don't get to keep 
coming at people. You don't then get to go, well, I tried to apologize, but she won't listen to me. You don't get to do that because it's not up to us to give you absolution. It's up to you to do your own work and figure out how you do better next time. Yeah. I'm just saying. Thank you, Thank you Dan. Saying. Um, and also I have, I have issues with this like apolitical idea, like, oh, yoga is not p- politics. I don't know if that's garbage. So I've been following, I mean, I follow a lot of teachers, but one is Sean Korn. And, and recently she was posting some stuff about voting for Biden and right. you know, like getting out the vote and all this. And like, she got so like criticized. Mm-hmm. Like, the comments sure. on her post were just blowing my mind. Like people saying yoga is not politics. Yes, it is. Like, oh, everything I is political. Every single thing is political. Yeah. I don't understand how you people don't understand. I have a I a, it I have a political science degree. I should probably be clear on that. But everything is political. If you don't participate in the political process, you don't decide what goes on grocery shelves in your local grocery store. You don't decide where schools go, when roads get fixed, how much property taxes you're going to pay, what your healthcare system is going to look like, um, how poverty is going to be handled. Every single thing you do is political and your body is political. The way you use it, the way you don't use it is political. So when you step on the mat to use your body to elevate mankind, how can that not be political? It's garbage. It's garbage. (laughs) Right. It is political because also your body is political. When you said that, I thought again about um, George Floyd or any, Mm, any, any, um, person of color who doesn't feel safe. And I would say even as a gay person, you know, I know I've had moments that, you know, you in don't my life safe. where I felt definitely in danger. Mm-hmm. You know, 100%. I mean, I, I just have a sense of what that can be like because of that. Like, I, it's just, um, it, it, it means, yes, my whole existence is political. And I know for people of color, that's how they feel. You can't avoid it. It's not no. like you can't separate out that experience of race from other parts of your life. It doesn't yeah. go away when you're on the mat. And I no. think that's what I'm trying to say is like, like you said, yoga is not separate. Your body is not separate no. um, from politics. I know when I was told, when I was posting about, um, you know, uh, I hate even talk about it, but like QAnon, which is basically this right wing oh. um, anti-Semitic oh. theory. Wow. Um, which is really a, it started by, you know, this whole right wing extreme group that's basically like Nazis, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was told that I'm trying to police yoga. Te- oh, because what I was posting is that we need to call people out. Yeah. Like in the yoga community, there's a lot of kind of yoga and new age people that are actually um, kind of following that cult and, and believing right. in that stuff. Because I, I think, I think partially because yoga people like to like, think they're freeing themselves from their limit limited beliefs or something. Uh So like we fall for these kind of ideas. Uh Um, Anyway. And I got called out for saying that I was trying to police yoga teachers. Really? And I'm like, you know what? No, that's not true. Like I, we all need to speak out for injustice. There's, it's not about policing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not a question of opinion when it has to do with justice. That's Mm -hmm. not, that's right. That's what the thing I see the most confusion around is this idea that when I talk or when anyone talks about social justice, that it's considered your opinion. Yeah. And that's not, it's not an opinion. Basic human rights are not someone's opinion. Exactly. 
I put a I put a post up on my Instagram I think yesterday or the day before where I said a difference of opinion is like and it was a it was a meme that was going around so I didn't create it a difference of opinion is like well I don't like you know this kind of coffee or I prefer right. this kind of restaurant that's right. a difference of opinion but oppression and injustice yeah. is not an opinion. And yeah. if you, you know, want to say to me, you know, we're going to have to agree to disagree here, then we're going to have to agree not to be friends because I don't have time for this. I'm going to no. unfriend, unfollow and block. And in the words of like Renee, Sonia Taylor, be blocked and be blessed. Like just, I, no thanks. I don't, this is not, uh -huh. of, as a black person for you to say something like that to me, are you right. kidding but let's also say it's not yoga. Let's just say that. It's, like, not, it's, it's, also, it's not yoga. also not yoga. You don't, and I, the amount of people who are practicing calisthenics um, and calling it yoga is, again, mind boggling to me. Um, yeah. uh, yoga International had put up a, like a, um, a trailer, you know, just kind of, I think, promoting some classes of mine, they had done it. And I, I made the mistake of reading the comments, because there's always dissenters in the comments. And mm -hmm. the the video that they had put up was um, this, you know, hi, I'm Diane Bondi. And I've been practicing every day for the last, I don't know, I don't know how long, last six years or whatever it was. And uh, somebody in the comments put, oh, I think she's lying, because I was using blocks. I was using blocks. I was using the wall. I was using straps. I had like all the props in my video. And uh, this woman said, uh, well, she's lying because if she has been practicing every day for six years, her, she wouldn't need these blocks and she wouldn't need the chair. She wouldn't need the wall and she wouldn't need the straps and all this kind of stuff. And then what I, what I loved is then my crowd came for her, which, you know, that's my ego at play here. Um, you know, came and said, one person said, you know what? I actually appreciate that she's showing the blocks. It's clear to me she has a strong practice and it's clear to me that she probably doesn't need any of these props, but she's showing people that it's okay to practice with props and she's normalizing this. And I actually appreciate this from her. And then other people piled on to the woman. Yeah. Well, yeah. And she's fat and yeah. And she's this and yeah. And she's that. And then other people got offended. And so there was this back and forth going on on the page. And I jumped in because I thought I said to the person, because she started apologizing when more people started like coming for her. And I said, the reason people are coming for you is that you called me a liar about how often I practice. And you're making an assumption about me based on a 12 second video or a 15 second video. And I so said, based on appearance, by ba the way. exactly based on appearance. And I said, so that's not actually practicing yoga. What you're doing is not actually yogic. And when I say I practice yoga every day, doesn't mean that I practice asana every day. It means that I practice compassion. It means that I, I practice empathy. It means that I look for opportunities to relieve other people's suffering whenever I can. It means I'm giving of my time and my resources whenever I can, that I'm here to uplift the world, not just to practice on my mat with or without props. And I think, I think personally, I said to her, that's what I take offense to. I don't care that you think I'm fat. I don't care that you, you, you think I'm not a yogi because I have to use props. I care that you think what you're talking about is actually yoga. And I think that's why people are now coming for you. Mm -hmm. And of course she deleted the entire thread. I took a picture of it and put it back up because I'm like, you don't get to have all these people do this emotional labor. And then because your feelings are hurt or you look bad, 
bad that you get to take it down. Learn yeah. from what you said. That's part of your yoga process, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's removing the veils that don't allow you to see the world as it actually is. And that's what we're trying to show you. And you got in your feelings about it. And so you deleted the post. Like be like, if you get schooled on something, leave it up there for other people to learn and go, wow, I've just been schooled. Like I got schooled today with a private client of mine when uh, I do some coaching and she, we did our, our coaching call in the first coaching call. She was talking to me about her age and I was I was distinctly surprised that she said she was 60. To me, she looked to be about my age or younger. And I went, wow, you're 60. I had no idea. I would have pictured you in your 40s. And, you know, we had a kiki about it. And then today in our last session, she said to me, I have something to tell you. And I said, of course. She says, stop telling people they look 20 years younger than they actually are. Thank you, Amy, for calling that out. She goes, it's ageist. People get to be their age and to get full, to be fully themselves in their age. And what we do when we tell people they look 20 years younger than they are, that there's something wrong with aging. And I was like, thank you. Like I've been so conditioned as a woman to tell women they look younger. I mean, I honestly did think she was in her forties, but you, you know what I mean? But to stop saying things like that. And I thought, right. hmm. Good for me. I have my blind spots too. And my reaction to her is, thank you. I need to be told these things. And if that person had called me out on social media, I would have left it up there as a reminder to myself and to others that we need to be more cognizant of these things. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing your learning. I appreciate that. Um, always learning. Always learning. Well, okay. So um, I really appreciate your time. I, I wanted to just mention, let's see, a few ways people can find you. So I know you're going to be the, you're the keynote speaker, well, one of them, but you're the opening keynote for the online accessible yoga conference. I, I've been the keynote. I always am surprised when you guys ask me to do it because I've done it so many times. I'm like, aren't you all bored of me by now? Like, <laughs> no, I love you. I love you so much. But actually, I don't know when this episode's coming out. So it may have already happened. And if so, um, okay. you know, people might have access to it through a recording. Uh, but you also have a course you said coming on a new one, um, Yoga International, right? About online teaching. Yeah, online teaching. teaching. Yeah, it's a two-part course. It's 2.5 hours over two days. So over October 15th and 16th. And it gives you all the ways to teach um, some tools for teaching accessible yoga online. Because teaching accessible yoga in person is a whole different ballgame than teaching it online. And I'm going to talk about some of the things we talked about earlier in the podcast about getting the proper lighting and figuring out how to uh, adapt props if you're working with somebody at home who does doesn't have blocks and bolsters and all the things that you um, are able to get in the studio. And I know that moving forward in studio spaces, I'm not sure that um, that is actually going to be a thing and what you should invest in um, if you're doing things at home as a, as a practitioner and as a yoga teacher, what are some of the things you can invest in to make the online experience adaptable, accessible, and equitable to as many of your students as possible? And how else can people find you? Well, you know me, I love to be on social media. So you can find, you can find me mostly on Instagram. That seems to be my medium of choice. Uh, Diane Bondi Yoga Official. I'm also that on Facebook. Uh, you can find me on my website at dianebondiyoga.com. I also have uh, a platform where you can do streaming online classes with me. And that's at yogaforeveryone.tv. Uh, I also have a book, 
called Yoga for Everyone that you can buy uh, anywhere fine books are. We have called. a new book, a new and I yes, and I have a new book coming out called Yoga Where You Are, which I've written with a friend of mine, Kat Hegberg. Uh, she is the editor in chief of Yoga International, and so we wrote a book, Yoga Where You Are. So we which which you read and uh, did a nice little blurb for. Thank you. Jim. Yeah, it's a very exciting book. So we, we dive a little bit more into philosophy. We dive a little bit more into social justice and we do uh, some accessible yoga and adaptable yoga in that book as well. That one's coming out December 8th, but you can pre-order it now for 30% off. If you go to my website, you can order it there. And when you order it from my website, I give you a free um, class. You get a free class, which is one of the, um, the sequences in the book. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. That's a great idea. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. Anything else you want to share with us? I, I love talking to you. I mean, I could talk to you all day. I know. And you and I don't talk nearly enough. We really should just get on a call like once every two weeks and just, you know, catch up. I know, because I want to hear about how your boys are doing, but um, hopefully everything's okay. Yeah. They went back to school today. I sent them back because oh, wow. we've been home for six months and they've been on Xbox for six months. So I want them to be doing other things. So here in Canada, things are really under control. And here in Windsor in particular, yeah. we haven't had any new cases. So wow. yeah, so we're just kind of, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're back. So, but oh, yeah, wow. that's about it. I, I'm living the COVID right. life, trying to stay positive in the big pause. But uh, mm. yeah, that's about well, it. Well, thank you. Thanks, really. Thanks for sharing all that and, and for all your work. It's just amazing. Thank so, you, I, I, Jim. I really keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you so much. It's great to be in community with you. Yeah, you too. All right. Thanks, Diane. Thank okay, you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another week of the Accessible Yoga Podcast. Please visit our website, AccessibleYogaTraining.com, where you can see what we're up to, subscribe to the podcast, and where you can get on the wait list for our next course here at the Accessible Yoga Training School. And surprise, it's with me. <laughs> I am bringing my Making Peace With Your Body weekend intensive online for the first time ever with the Accessible Yoga Training School. And the course is going to run from October 27th through November 19th of this year. Making Peace With Your Body is an online course in a community that explores body acceptance and self-image through the lens of the yoga teachings. We'll discover how the practice of non-attachment, a justice-focused analysis of why we're so messed up about bodies in the first place, learning to manage our minds, and getting access to meaningful community can completely transform our relationship to our bodies. If you're sick of the negative self-talk loop that plays in your head on repeat, I call mine the mean girl soundtrack, <laughs> come join us. We'll learn techniques to shift our thoughts from self-loathing to radical self-acceptance. We'll also have space for movement, breathing work, meditation, reflection, and self-study. This course will be an interactive time of self-discovery and transformation. We're going to discover ways to boost confidence, come home to our bodies, and sharpen our minds to work toward equity and justice for all bodies. The waitlist is opening soon. You can go to AccessibleYogaTraining.com slash emails, and we'll let you know as soon as the waitlist opens for Making Peace With Your Body. I hope we'll see you there. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, give us feedback. We really, really value it, and we can't wait to hear from you. We'll see you next week.